Hello and welcome to The Food Safety Dish, a production brought to you by the Local Food Safety Collaborative. I'm your host, Catherine Cavra. The Local Food Safety Collaborative is a cooperative initiative established between the National Farmers Union Foundation and the FDA with the goal of providing training, education, and technical assistance to local food producers to ensure good food safety practices and compliance with the Food Safety Modernization Act. National Farmers Union is a grassroots, farmer-driven organization that believes strong family agriculture is the basis for thriving communities. NFU's membership includes over 200,000 family farmers and ranchers across America. Farmers Union's grassroots structure promotes locally initiated policy priorities and educational topics established by their members. Learn more about National Farmers Union at www.nfu.org. On today's season finale, we will be talking about cultivating communities of care on farms and how taking good care of farm workers is good food safety management. To celebrate, both of my food safety colleagues, Billy McCarthy and Haley Wood, are joining us, rounding out the whole food safety team. I'm delighted to introduce our guest, Anita Adalja. Last year, Anita completed her 13th season farming vegetables. She has worked on both nonprofit and production farms in Pennsylvania, Virginia, California, Washington, D.C., and New Mexico. Before farming, Anita studied and worked as a social worker, addiction counselor, and GED teacher in New York City. Her heart is committed to centering workers on farms through financial security, safety, and dignity. She also believes that personal and community empowerment can be gained through food production, food sovereignty, and storytelling. Anita is the founder of the Not Our Farm Project, a nonprofit farm worker storytelling and support project that works to reimagine the future of farming as one that is worker centered. She is also a co farmer at Ashokra Farm, a 2.5 acre queer and BIPOC farm she started in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Anita is also a proud farm food safety nerd and facilitates food safety trainings for farmers across the state of New Mexico. She is a Produce Safety Alliance lead trainer a USDA HGAP Plus auditor and is on the food safety team at La Samia Food Center. To Anita, food safety is much more than just washing your hands and is deeply tied to worker care and well-being. Anita, welcome to the Food Safety Dish. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really thrilled to be here. And thanks for my other colleagues, too, for being here as well. It's fun to have us all here for the final show yeah <laughs> excited to chat with everybody yes billy Tremaine here and we're so grateful for you joining us anita and um, really excited for the conversation to learn some things from you yes all right let's just dive right in let's get to illuminating some connections anita how do you think that we can define wellness and well-being on the farm well i think that's a really great question, and I think it's really layered. I want to start by saying, first, it's just looking at sustainability, right? Like so often we hear about like sustainability on farms, meaning how are we taking care of the land? What does, you know, how are we treating the animals? What kind of soil amendments are we using? How are we building soil? And we need to start looking at that through a lens of sustainability of the people working on the farms, not just the farm owners, but the labor force on the farm. What does sustainability, what does wellness look like for them? So many people working on farms want to be working on farms, right? We're not in this field, many of us, for you know fame or wealth. We're in it because we really care about the work that we're doing and we get a lot out of it. And 
there's a lot that we're putting in it and a lot of commitment that goes into that. So wellness for us means, you know, the ability to sustain doing this work physically and emotionally. It's important to think about the emotional kind of weight that is carried when working on farms. There's a lot of isolation that we experience when we're in the field, especially um, based on your identities. Like I can say as, you know, a queer BIPOC person, working on farms in rural areas can be really, really tricky. You can, you know, being able to show your authentic self, being able to show up to work and be seen for, you know, what you're contributing to this operation versus like what people see when they look at you. I mean, there's so many things that go into what wellness can look like. And it truly is really personal to people. I think it's like what everyone will answer this question differently, what it takes for them to feel okay and sustained and taken care of on a farm. Um, But yeah, it really comes down to thinking about those hands that are doing the day-to-day work on the farm and what they need and what makes them feel like this is the work that they want to continue doing and feels that it's nourishing to them and giving to them as much as they're giving to the operation. Yes, thanks for sharing that. So along those lines, we were wondering, building off from that, thinking about the whole continuum of what a farm needs to run sustainably. And as you say, not just the land or perhaps the business side of things, but the people and the and the community, what are some methods to establish cultures of, of trust and belonging on your farm and in, in the community that you're feeding? Yeah, I would say, I think the first step, or I think where we need to start is by talking about like, what this work actually looks like in the day-to-day. So I would say, and by that I mean, when we think about farming so often in this country and so often my experience of what I've seen and through the Not Our Farm Project, what workers have shared with me, is that it's seen as this kind of individualistic venture, right? This like rugged individual, there's this like sole farm owner who is carrying the weight of this operation on their shoulders. And I think like, starting there and being honest that being honest in a sense that this isn't about shaming or this isn't about showing like I don't know like making someone feel better like unveiling this truth but at its core it's just about being true that like and being honest that farming is a community kind of venture and it takes so many more people realistically in an operation like there are so many farms out there that you know You might showcase one farm owner, but there's 15 staff that are actually running the operation. And I think if we start there by being truly honest about what it takes to run a farm in a healthy way, in a sustainable way, that it takes many people. If we start there, I think we can start having these honest, real conversations about how to build trust on a farm. So if we're saying, okay, it takes many people to operate a farm, including the people working on the farm, including communities, com- community input on the farm. If we start having that con- that honest conversation from there, we can go, what does building trust look like? Well, it is taking everyone's input on a day-to-day basis, making people feel like they are valued on the farm and that they are actually contributing to the success of this operation. And I think, I believe it's Adrienne Marie Brown who said, Trust people and they become trustworthy. That's how you build trust. Treat people like the valuable 
humans that they are. And I really strongly believe, you know, this is my 14th year farming. Every single person contributes something to a farm. And that's what I think, no matter how long you've been farming, whether it's your first day on the farm or your 20th, 20th year on the farm, that's what makes farming so incredible is that we all bring our lived experiences and there's a million ways to solve you know, the million problems that show up on a farm every day and everyone has a way to contribute to that. And you build trust by relying on each other, showing that vulnerability, um, admitting that you can't do things alone. I think farming really brings out kind of this like team mentality. Like I didn't grow up playing sports and I think maybe I would have loved it because I truly love farming and I love relying on other people and working with each other. And I think it cultivates that kind of energy, especially if you're willing to like show that, that you need other people. And I think that by doing that, like it's ultimately going to lead to building trust and respect for each other on a farm. Mm. I think that's, that's so true. And, you know, I always try to stay grounded in that model of, you know, having responsibility amongst, you know, everyone that works on the farm together, we're all accountable to each other. And there's nothing quite so humbling as, as being a farmer and being at the, you know, mercy of weather and unexpected circumstances and the challenges of keeping thousands of, you know, plants or animals alive at one time. And I think when you approach those relationships with humility and, you know, just as a, as a valuable um, exchange and relationship, as you described from day one. Yeah, I just love to hear that and try to reflect that in, in the farm that we run as well. And I think that that really dovetails to the question that we were hoping Haley would ask next as well. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you offer that perspective of collaboration and also recognizing that farming isn't um, a one-person job because while it is joyous and rewarding, it's also tiring. And a lot of people, I think, feel like they have to take on a lot of different roles that, you know, maybe their farm puts pressure on, maybe like the idea of a farm farmer they want to be puts pressure on. Um, and when we think about like working together, and, you know, maybe kind of moving into food safety questions here. How, how do you think about worker care and how do you think worker care contributes to maybe better food safety outcomes on the farm and vice versa, right? Because caring for people on the farm also translates usually into good practices and, and good care of the things people are trying to grow. Yeah, absolutely. I want to answer that. But before I do, I just want to say what you said brought up for, for me one thing that Asking for help is not weakness, right? That's a strength. And that's something we, we really need to celebrate. Um, and I think like, especially in this, in the field of agriculture, you know, when it's so, we really reward the individual and it's like, and emphasize that so much. And I think people feel afraid to show vulnerability and feel afraid to show that they can't do this on their own. But that's the beauty of like physically relying on another human being or a crew of people that is like very vulnerable, right? And but that's the reality of farming. And that's why yeah. so many of us who've worked on farms have the strongest bonds of like, you know, I, for me, I can say the people I feel closest to in my entire life have been people that I've worked on the, in the field with, um, because of that vulnerability, because of that mm -hmm. immense need for them, um, and what we've gone through together. So I just want to like, 
highlight that or uplift that because what you said definitely brought that to light that yeah asking for help is such a sign of strength and so important but to get to your question about how worker care i believe your question is what work how worker care influences food safety on a farm and i will say that it's absolutely crucial workers are so we even like thinking about the simple not simple the complex like concept of a pre-harvest risk assessment right that's like taking a look at what you're about to harvest and make sure there's not poop on it or contamination who's doing that who are the eyes like thinking about who are the eyes on the farm if you have workers on your farm that is like such i feel like you have so much of an advantage if you have more than one person looking at food safety potential incidents on a farm and workers are that they're the ones who are typically you know harvesting like seeing things that farm owners might not be seeing, you know, seeing a breached fence, seeing like that there might be, you know, animals entering or contamination on the crops or, you know, some, the, the source of water has like leaking. So I feel like workers are the front line of defense when it mm -hmm. comes to food safety on farms and investing in, investing in workers is only going to improve food safety on your farm because of that. And I think I will say like, working on farms and attending or like hearing about food safety on a personal level and from what I've heard from other people, oftentimes we're not told the why behind what we're doing. And this comes back to like knowledge hoarding that happens a lot of oftentimes with workers on farms. And this might not be intentional by the farm owner, right? It might be that you're really good at picking strawberries or uh, bunching kale. So you're going to do that every single day, day in and day out. You might not be exposed to other parts of the operation, but that is knowledge hoarding, right? Similar with food safety, farm owner might not have the time to explain, like, why do we need to, you know, be monitoring turbidity in our wash water on a regular basis? Or why do we need to take the temperatures? But telling your workers the why behind what they're doing is, it's worker care because you are trusting people on your, in your operation with knowledge and with like giving, building their capacity of like understanding things and accountability um, and showing that you, you know, trust them with your operation, but it's also going to enforce like, or not enforce, emphasize the food safety on your farm. So I think like that's one example, but I will say there's so many others. Worker care can look like having access to a bathroom and like, it might be shocking for some listeners, maybe not, but like, I can't tell you how many farms I've worked on that don't have access to a bathroom and how many workers through the Not Our Farm Project don't have access to bathrooms on farms. And this is a huge reality. So worker care is having, caring for the dignity of someone on a farm that they have a safe place to use the bathroom, have a place to wash their hands. That's worker care. Worker care is also building a picnic table under a shade tree so workers know where they can have lunch. How is that linked to food safety? Well, if I'm eating my peanut butter and jelly sandwich in the field while I'm harvesting, which you know happens if you don't have a lunch break or you don't have access for somewhere to eat your lunch, there's a contamination there. If someone has a peanut allergy, all of a sudden it's on my leafy greens that I'm harvesting, right? So you can see how it's directly linked to food safety when you are caring and thinking about your workers. Another example is a sick policy. If you don't have a sick policy on your farm and workers are showing up ill, that can lead to contamination incidents. In addition to that, even just having a culture of care on your farm of talking with workers, okay, I, maybe I can't afford to pay you as a farm owner. Maybe I can't afford to offer sick days. 
on the farm? What can you do? What, what kind of tasks can there, can there be on the farm for a worker who needs that money and can't afford to take an unpaid day on the farm? Is there something else they can do? Can they like label boxes? Can they build, you know, what can they do that's not going to lead to a potential contamination issue? So I think like being open to having communication with people too um, is a as worker care and also leads to increased food safety on the farm. So, I mean, I, I could go on for a long time about this, but I really feel like um, there are so many direct connections mm-hmm. with worker care and food safety. Yeah, and I hear you when you talk about that community of care, you know, progress works at the speed of trust, whether that is knowledge or, you know, sharing a space, creating those spaces where people can be comfortable and also prevent contamination. Trust is a really big touching point that I I took away from your your response. Could you expand a little bit more on the cost of not taking care or not respecting rest on a farm and maybe some unfortunate outcomes that might derive from those lack of measures? Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting to think about rest. Like a lot of people think like rest is not like something that is like, you don't think of rest when you think about farming, right? You don't think about taking it easy or relaxing. I feel like I met so many farmers who say like, I'll rest when I'm dead. Like there's no time. But if we think about how we care for the farm and how we care for the plants. And if we think about farming sustainably, like we let the soil rest, right? Or we like plant cover crops, rejuvenate the soil. We're doing so many things. And I don't, I've not worked on animal farms. So I can imagine when people are, and Billy, I'm sure you can talk about this, like what? how do you take care of your animals to rest and rejuvenate them? And these are also, you know, potentially going to be harvested as well. So if we think about, how we take care of what we're growing on the farm, it makes it only makes sense that like how that we need to be doing the same thing for ourselves. Like we we also are like seasonal creatures too that need rest, need to rejuvenate, need things to be, you know, we don't if you try to save a plant when it's already totally extinguished, like you're not gonna have much luck, right? If it's already like tired and already like not getting nutrients or not getting enough water and riddled with aphids the chances of you reviving that are slim, just like a person. If you are totally like exhausted, it's going to be a lot harder to recuperate um, than if you just take care of yourself on a regular basis. So I think like, and I might just be, you know, like telling you all what you already know. And I feel like it, it feels like common sense, but so often on farms, we feel like, you know, we have to do everything. Farmers are some of the greatest caretakers, right? We take care of crews, crews of people working on the farm, we take care of plants and animals, but we need to take care of ourselves. And some of the repercussions of not taking care of ourselves or the people who are working with us is massive burnout, fatigue, like not caring, you know, not being able, not having the capacity to care. I mean, you talk to any farmer and think about like how much, I think the term is like decision fatigue, when you have to make so many decisions in one day that you just like can't make another decision. But the consequences, if you make the wrong decision sometimes on a farm are huge. And when we think about food safety and um, like exhaustion or tiredness and not being able to rest, that's where, you know, when you're moving, food safety requires care, right? Requires kind of intention, requires like thinking. When you think about when you're assessing risk on a farm, that takes like intention and thoughtfulness. 
And with that, you need to slow down and you need to be able to have those kinds of thoughts and those decisions. And farm owners are models for their crew, right? So if you're, if you're a farm owner and you're not stopping to rest, not stopping to correct a mistake, people can, can see that as like, they're, you're modeling that for them. So when I think about with this, how this is connected to food safety, if there's an issue and a farm owner is not taking the time to like stop and like correct it or like teach about something or fix the mistake, it's only going to kind of snowball into more and more mistakes happening. And I think similarly with modeling rest for people, if you're not resting as a farm owner, you're not, that means your crew's not resting. I've worked on farms, you know, where the farm owners say, oh, you take a quick lunch, but I'm not going to. And if you're working on a crew and you don't see your, the person who's managing you taking a break or resting, you're going to feel guilty taking rest yourself. You're going to, you know, maybe cut your lunch break short, or it's just the modeling behavior is like really, really powerful on farms. And I think that goes with rest. Um, I mean, that happens so often mm-hmm. with rest. Yeah, like rest is not radical, or it should not be, shouldn't have to be radical. Pretty essential stuff. What are some red flags that people can look out for when working on farms that aren't their own? Yeah, gosh. I mean, again, kind of going to back to wellness on farms, some of it is just your personal, is a very personal question, like what your boundaries are, what are your experiences working on farms? If you have worked on a farm before, like what what works? Asking yourself, kind of and assessing yourself, like what are you looking for? But I will say like through the Not Our Farm Project, we came up with a, a worker zine where we actually identified kind of red flags that workers should think about based on our own experience working on farms, based on a group of us that worked on farms for many, many years. But I will say like a red flag is if the farm has rapid turnover every single season, there's brand new workers on the farm every year. Um, that's going to signal that, or that could signal to a prospective employee that, you know, maybe there are some issues happening there that, that people aren't wanting to stay because when a farm does have a, good crew retention that shows, you know, that there's investment in the people working on the farm and it does feel like a sustainable job. I think that is, that's a big one. Um, I will say having like a diverse crew is also a really good sign on a farm that you would want to, you know, especially if you're holding identities like a BIPOC or queer, you want to see people who have similar identities to you working on the farm. I guess that's a good sign and not a red flag, but um, that's something that you want to be looking for. But other, I would say other red flags on a farm when someone's thinking about a farm job are like what your experience is through the interview process. So is the farm owner or the manager, whoever's like having this conversation with you open to you asking questions? Do ask those questions that are important to you, even if they make you feel a little bit scared or uncomfortable because you can gauge based on the reaction in that interview, if this is a place that you feel like you can have open communication on. Um, I work, I collaborate with Fair Share CSA Coalition out of Wisconsin a lot on different worker surveys and focus groups. And one of the main things that workers across the country talk about is that they want better communication on farms. They want to be able to better communicate with management on farms about their care, about their safety, about you know, what's happening on the farm, where they see their future on the farm, how they can contribute to the farm. So I think that is something that you can get as a worker interviewing for a farm just through the interview process. Like, how does it feel to talk openly with this person? And if it feels awkward, it feels like they're defensive, 
then that's a huge red flag. And then I will lastly say, like, visit the farm and look for look for bathrooms, honestly, and ask directly, like, what is the bathroom access on this farm? Because that's like I said earlier, that's not a given. And I think that goes a long way to show, you know, are you going to have to be pooping and peeing in the woods or are you going to have access to a clean porta potty um, or composting toilet? And if you've never worked on a farm, you might think like, ah, oh, I'm fine doing that. But if you, I think that's something that goes a long way and will show you, like you'll see that's a huge sign of worker care. And I think that will kind of influence other things that you'll see experience on the farms as well. There can be a lot of discomfort advocating for ourselves and especially our safety on the farm. And I'm curious if you have any strategies that workers can take to approach talking with management on the subject of better care, whether that is, um, you know, food safety, worker care, or just feeling heard. Um, Maybe what are some strategies you've heard? Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, it... (laughs) It's tricky. It's very difficult. And because of the power dynamic, I think that it has to come down to like, if a worker is going to approach a farm owner or their boss about these kinds of issues, they have to make first a personal kind of assessment of is this is this even a safe space for them to have these conversations? Can they risk potentially losing their job? Because that is a risk, right? Like when you when you raise issues, if it's not a safe environment, the repercussions can be huge. So I think first assessing that for yourself of where you're at and if it feels like that. I think coming as a group is often safer. I think it it can be a little bit more contentious or scary if like a group of workers approach an owner, but I think safety is in numbers. and, And I do think that like as a worker, because of that power dynamic, it's better to have other people in these conversations with you but I would say my recommendations for this, unfortunately, I've heard more negative interactions and or negative stories than positive ones. But I think there are, what's good is that there are so many models of farms coming out that, that are really centered in, in worker care and well-being and are, you know, making places, farms that are like places where workers can thrive and feel safe. But if you are going to bring this this up with an employer, I think having direct examples is really important, but I think also having solutions too. So like if, if you need going back to bathroom access, like maybe you could offer to host like a cool, like build a composting toilet on the farm. And that could be like a, something that the crew does together um, and bring that up as an example to the farm owner of like, this is a need that we've identified that we need. And if you provide the supplies, like this could be a a cool opportunity for the crew to like work on their building skills. And I think that's a way that can, can maybe be positive. But I also like, I want to say that some of these issues are so important that like we should be able to talk about them without feeling afraid. So if you, if you are truly concerned about your safety and well-being on the farm, then there are resources that you can access that this could either be like farm worker legal clinics. Um, you can come to Not Our Farm. We have a lot of resources for workers with having these conversations. There's farm owner and farm management training programs through Fair Share CSA Coalition that you could refer the farm owners to. 
And I think that can go a long way. But I don't know if I've actually answered your question. I think that this is a kind of a testament that these conversations are really hard. And I can tell you, and I've often quit, I've quit jobs rather than having these conversations with farm owners, um, unfortunately. So it feels, it feels sad to me that we don't feel that safety, but I think it speaks volumes to like the power dynamics and that it is, it's a tricky situation, especially if your housing is tied to your job. Like there's so many factors in there. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a sticky question. And, you know, although there may not be as many readily available resources, it seems like you've, you've pointed out a few different ways. You know, there's power numbers. There are a few current resources that people can look to to do that. And kind of speaking more about, you know, knowledge sharing and the kind of power dynamics of trust and tasks, operation and skills from maybe owner to worker. How do you think we can center more farm worker voices on more food safety matters, right? Because a lot of food safety things are, they can be tailored to a, a broad audience, but how do we really center that on farm worker forces? Yeah, I mean, that's a bit of the work that I do with food safety trainings here in New Mexico. Honestly, like there are direct links between, like we just talked about today, between labor and food safety. And I feel like we need to start more, like, I am so thrilled that y'all invited me to be on this podcast and that you're talking about this topic. And there needs to be more discussions about this because so often in food safety trainings, whether they be, you know, the Produce Safety Alliance or like GAPS trainings, things like that, like so many workers have attended these, myself included, and felt like they weren't for me, but they were about me. You know, like workers so often have been seen as like, well, if you have you know, if you have any coli outbreak, it's because your workers weren't washing their hands. Well, I wasn't washing my hands because you didn't have a wash station for me to use, you know, or like I've been, mm -hmm. I've sat through food safety trainings where the audience laughed, literally laughed when the instructors talked about no pooping in the field and showed like a work, like a sign of a worker squatting in a field. And I'm like, okay, you're going to laugh, but like you try working 12 hours straight without having access to a bathroom. What are you going to do? And until you've been put in that situation, like we need to have more sensitivity that this is a reality of so many people who work in this industry. And it's, I think like once we start having discussions of like how there have been gross labor violations, how there is so much oppression, there is so, so many expectations in the agricultural industry that would not and exceptions that would not be made in any other business in this country. Like if we start having those conversations, workers are going to feel like this is for them, mm -hmm. not about them, right? And they're going to feel like they wanna be part of this conversation. I can tell you, I started learning food safety technical stuff when I was working on farms and I wanted to put a bag over my head because some of this stuff is not accessible language. It's like, so it can be boring, right? Like we all know this. We're all food safety nerds in this room, but we also can admit that food safety can be boring, mm -hmm. right? But once <laughs> I started linking it to social justice and labor and my own personal experiences, I got so pumped about mm -hmm. it. And now exactly. I'm like, I love talking about food safety. So I think if we're able to make those connections and to have mm -hmm. these really uncomfortable conversations, I do think that it's going to change the language and 
and is going to make people who otherwise wouldn't feel so connected to this work feel really dang connected. And I also think going back to like thinking about cultivating community, we need to start talking about food safety also as, you know, care for community care. Like that's truly at its core what it is. It's not about a produce safety inspector coming to your farm with an audit list or like, you know, checking off, ticking off what you're doing wrong. It's about ensuring that our most vulnerable populations can have access to safe food. That's not going to make them sick. That's it. Like that's at its core. We don't, Mm -hmm. we want people to feel okay, like, and feel good. That's it. And I think like, I, if we start centering that and emphasizing Mm -hmm. that, I mean, there's so many amazing programs throughout this country of like, you know, produce going into senior centers, produce doing, going into school for school children, produce going into, you know, prisons. We want these people who are now having access to this produce to feel like, to feel good eating them and and for us to know that we're taking care and farmers take most of the farmers i know honestly probably all the farmers i know take so much pride in what they're doing they spend so much time like growing crops from like seed tiny tiny seeds into these beautiful bountiful you know vegetables and there's no farmer that i know what would want like to sell contaminated produce or what want someone to feel ill from the food that they're producing or they're distributing to people. So I think by starting at that conversation and kind of going from it from a community level is also going to increase like people's participation in food safety and understanding of food safety. Unfortunately, I feel like there's like a lot of intimidation around it and there's a lot of regulatory stuff that makes people feel terrified. It's like when you get a letter from the IRS, like it's terrifying. And I think that kind of happens with food safety too. So Having more of conversations like this, I think, is going to really increase people, workers' involvement, community involvement, and see it in a different light. Oh, that was such a powerful response. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. It kind of makes me think almost like it's an ecosystem. It's like more than just community because like if the food that you're growing is extending, you know, beyond your farm, like you're, you're creating more than a community in that sense. Like it's, it's, it's so broad reaching and it's like, I don't know. It, it, may, it really makes me wonder like how many food borne illness outbreaks are because of a lack of, you know, toilets or hand washing stations. And I feel like it's probably a higher number than people would like to to admit or to talk about, but you know, just basic, yeah, basic absolutely. care goes a long, it's so long true. way. I so. mean, washing your hands is like one of the most effective reducers of contamination, right? But if you don't have access to a place to wash your hands and it doesn't have to be anything fancy, like we have like a wash station in the back of our pickup truck on our farm and like that works perfectly well. So I think like just having that, taking that time and it comes back to your question about rest and time and like intention and thoughtfulness, like, we just need to see more of that happening. Um, and I think it can go a long way for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, this conversation again, Anita, thank you so much. And it's really speaking to me and um, making me think really carefully about our farm operation as well. And, you know, I think the thing that we're talking about in terms of these communities of care, the ecosystem of food safety and community engagement, uh, I really love the notion. I think we're all talking about it and feeling it come up in this conversation is food safety as a way to shift the frame of, you know, the farm is not just about production. It's not just about 
getting to market. It's not just about caring for the land. It's not just about caring for people. It's about doing all of those things together and not centering any one particular person, the, the farm owner, the farmer uh, in scare quotes, but the whole team and community of people that are growing and consuming and being nourished in all of those different ways, hopefully um, by a farming operation. And I think that a lot of the people that are going to be listening to this, our audience, our farmers, the folks that are getting engaged in these really in-depth conversations about food safety are going to hopefully be the ones that are thinking about how to do better for their team. And one of the questions that we want to ask are, can you think of some examples of ways that you can go above and beyond just like, you know, say giving someone uh, the produce safety training or a basic overview of, of food safety and actually do more and if it's all right, I'm going to actually share an organic example that came up just in the last 24 hours for us on the farm. My father-in-law is a, um, a former paramedic. He just retired recently and he offered to come out and train all of our crew on basic um, first aid and kind of health and safety issues. He made us a full emergency triage kit uh, to have on the farm so that everyone that works on the farm knows where it is and how to use all of the materials in it. And we're really grateful that we have a family and community resource that's going to come and, and do that education for us. And some farmers might say, well, I don't have two hours to sit down with my crew and teach them how to use a tourniquet or, you know, just basic bandages and hygiene around treating wounds or whatever, but people get hurt on the farm. And if you have a plan and the resources available, um, you know, hopefully that's not something that's happening and you have a culture of safety and food safety, but we're really excited to do that. And if you have any other examples through your work of, of when farmers can work together and, and go beyond just kind of the basics. Yeah, that's that's a really cool example. That's awesome that y'all are doing that on the farm. I would say, like, what comes to mind immediately is investing in your farm team to actually, like, implement food safety on your farm. So what that can look like is, you know, if you're writing a food safety plan, break it up into sections. Um, or if you're writing SOPs, like, break it up into sections and have your farm crew help you with that. Because, like, if like we said before, like they're the eyes and ears of your farm operation. They're doing this work day in, day out. They're going to have insight and perspectives that you might not have thought about and be able to like kind of strengthen the food safety program on your farm. And it also is like going back into that like idea of trust and like worker knowledge and kind of cultivating this community on your farm that everyone is contributing to the operation. Like if all the people every worker is coming together to like work on a food safety manual and, and create these SOPs together. There's going to be, you know, commitment to this work. There's going to be accountability. There's going to be a deeper understanding that goes way beyond just like telling your workers to wash their hands and posting a sign up about it um, or to check the temperature of your walking cooler. So I think you can go above and beyond for your farm team by asking their opinion, having them contribute to the operations. I think, that is a really, really beautiful way to, yeah, to go beyond just like the basics of food safety. Hearing people's opinions and having them contribute is really, really great. I think some other stuff that comes to mind is like going back to, I mean, what you were saying about having a family member who's a paramedic. I think if we, going back to what I was saying earlier about, you know, seeing this as an individualistic venture, 
who is your community? Like who around in your community? Maybe you have a CSA. You could talk to your CSA members about like resource sharing. On our farm, we always talk a lot about um, apocalypse skills. And I think like crowdsourcing that and getting other people to come in and like talk about different skills that they could provide and teach on the farm. You might, as a farm owner, you might not know a paramedic, but maybe a CSA member is, or maybe there's someone who knows how to tie really amazing knots and can like come and teach your crew how to do that. I think thinking creatively, thinking outside your small circle on the farm can be really great of like bringing other skills in. And in, in addition, even your farm crew, like teaching each other what, what can we, what do we know together? Like what can we, how can we share that knowledge with each other? So I think that can go a long way as well. And I think you'd surprise yourself in knowing like people are so multifaceted in the skills that they have and how those skills can be used on the farm um, are really incredible. Thank you so much for sharing that. Some practical steps. Can you describe to us what your ultimate vision is for cultures of community care on farms and maybe some advice on ways to implement those ideals? Yeah, I would say my ultimate vision for community care, or not our farm's ultimate vision, is like what's being defined by people who have participated in the Not Our Farm project. And some of these ideals include, you know, farms that are accessible to everyone, like no matter what, like kind of reimagining outside of what this like box that we've kind of thought of farming to be that, you know, you're working, we talked about like not resting, like working seven days a week, pushing your body to physical limits that maybe you, you know, that's not safe for you or sustaining chronic injury. A space where it's like majority white cis male dominated. So I think a lot of workers are identifying like, okay, I identify as a farmer. I want to farm, but those don't work for me. And what people are doing are reimagining a space where they feel like safe, where they can thrive, where they can participate in agriculture in ways that make sense for them. So I would say like what a worker-centered community is or worker-centered farms are is just that, like where people feel like they can be their authentic selves and they can define farming for what makes sense for them and not this already prescribed kind of idea of what we see a farmer as being. There's so many folks have said, you know, there's a difference, there's a core difference between selling produce for money and feeding communities, right? And I think this goes in line with food safety as well. If we're thinking about selling produce, selling it as this commodity, there's like so much is removed from that, right? Like we see it as this object. And, but if we're feeding people with what we're producing, there's so much care that goes into that. There's a relationship you have with the food. So I think like that also is like a future of farming that people are really looking towards and wanting to be part of. Um, and I think, it, yeah, it's a really beautiful thing. And I think what gives me hope and inspires me is that I see young people creating these spaces. They are, you know, kind of discarding that idea of rugged individualism and forming cooperatives and like being really intentional about the values that they have on the farm and what holding each other accountable to them and, you know, ensuring that they are leaning on each other, that they are prioritizing rest so that they can do this for the, you know, the long run and in a way that feels safe and healthy for them. So I think all of those things, all of those aspects are what I see in like creating a, a worker-centered future in farming. Yeah, and something I, I thought about in your former response about 
you know, thinking about who your community is, there's a lot of different ways to share out resources and, and kind of break beyond, you know, what the norms of different farm types are. In Texas, we're about to have an event that's going to be worker centered with um, primarily BIPOC teachers who are going to come and share a resource with a group that, you know, feels represented by those teachers. And we're also going to be sharing not a farm zine with them too, so they can take that away. But yeah, you know, outsourcing resources and thinking about who else can kind of help and informing these maybe different visions of what farming can be, I think is is a good way to look forward, you know, ahead towards like what the future of care on farms is going to look like. I think just, it sounds so simple, but just like getting to know each other and like having conversations that aren't just about production, that aren't just about efficiency, aren't just about money and budgets. Like as a far, as someone like on a farm, it's like, what, what makes your farm crew come a lot? Like, what are they excited mm-hmm. about? Like paying attention, just like a, a pre-harvest risk assessment is paying attention to your plants, pay attention to the labor on your farm. Like if you see if someone's ex- particularly excited about a crop, like have them, you know, research about it and share it with the crew, like what they've learned about it or like do a deep dive in the history of the crop. Like, I think there's so many ways that we can really encourage just seeing people as full humans that have like things that make them feel good or excited and really strengths that they're already bringing to the farm and really highlighting those. So I think, yeah, there's a way that we can reimagine and live into farming that is like valuing that and centering the people on the farm because as much as we've centered soil and as much as we've centered plants you know like we need to start really getting to know and nourishing the people on the farm as well i love your vision for your ideals i feel like it's a much more animated farm it seems like it's it's moving beyond just seeing things for yeah, it's like as commodity or something to sell, but it's paying attention to, you know, the living organisms of soil, of people, of the plants. So, you know, just a little bit more attuned, it seems, or maybe a lot more attuned, depending on the operation. So that's all the questions I have, but I would love to open the floor to Billy or Haley if you have any other questions. Yeah, just wanted to reflect and repeat again. I'm really, really appreciating this conversation. And yeah, I'm thinking about what was just said and kind of trying to contextualize it for myself as well. You know, one point and then one question for you, Anita. Um, You know, I think that, again, part of what's being woven throughout this conversation is the notion that when, when we focus on care for the whole farm and including the folks that are growing and working and being on the farm and and seeing having safe, nutritious, accessible food that really builds in a resiliency to the way that we're working and and the way that we're integrated into a community. Uh, you know, I think a lot of the small farmers again that I work with and that we're reaching out to have a lot of these ideals, but we also live within this larger capitalist system. There's a lot of market pressures to sell and to move more towards commodity or larger scale production. And oftentimes we might not want to do that for, you know, ethical, sustainable, you know, interpersonal relationship reasons. And I, and I think trying to frame it in this way where the farm is an embedded piece of the community and the people that work on it are all 
valued and respected for their contributions can help you navigate that challenge. And that's how I'm trying to think about the way that we run our farm. And then the question that I have, as I think about that, you know, a, one pillar of the work that Farmers Union does is cooperative farming. We say that we have education, cooperation, and legislation are three prongs of trying to advocate for family farmers. And I think a lot about like, well, are there models of, you know, worker-owned cooperatives or multi-farmed owned cooperatives? And I'm curious if that's some of the work that not our farm is doing or something that you've touched on, or if you have any experience with, um, you know, different models of workers owning the business or being more involved in that side of, of managing farms. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's definitely been identified as like, so at Not Our Farm, we ask a question of all the workers who are part of it of like, what would you consider a dream farm? Like, what are aspects of a farm not leading to ownership that you would want to work on? And one that comes up so often is, I want to work in community with other people. Like, so many of the workers who are part of the project will say, you know, I don't want to own a farm. I don't, either I don't believe in land ownership under this current model in this country, um, or I don't buy into like, I don't want to handle a farm on my own. I want to do it in cooperation with other people. So this has definitely been something that is talked about a lot through the Not Our Farm Project and identified as what people are moving more towards. And I will say, personally at our farm Ashokra here in Albuquerque, we are moving towards a worker-owned cooperative. There's, it's a group of queer BIPOC farm workers at Ashokra and we want yeah, we want that to be a cooperative model. So we're taking those steps. But I have kind of interacted with other farms like Rocksteady Farm in New York is a worker-owned cooperative farm. That's a really amazing model that so many young farmers are looking towards and who are doing really incredible things in, t- in the community. And we're just seeing more and more Love is Love Cooperative Farm in Georgia is another incredible example too. So we're starting to have those conversations with workers and we're trying to figure out ways to like partner and offer those resources to workers who are interested in forming that. But it's definitely, that is definitely the future of farming that we've seen. And that's really exciting to see that happening. I would, I would absolutely agree. And uh, just to pick up on that, Love is Love has collaborated with Local Food Safety Collaborative on some uh, mm-hmm. cleaning and, and pack house uh, education models. So we're awesome. working with them as well. Yeah. yeah. They have great food safety practices. <laughs> We've highlighted some in the past. So cool. Well, I think anybody who works on farms or who has worked on farms is going to feel really empowered by this conversation. So, you know, thanks for speaking to the spectrum of farming experiences and just sharing your principles and imagination for, you know, community care and food safety. It's been yeah, very inspiring. Thank you all so much for hosting hosting me and like being open to having this conversation. I think it's it's so important. And like I said before, like we need to be talking more about food safety in this way. I think, yeah, it's really important. It's really impactful. And the intersections with labor and food safety are so, once we start talking about it, it's so obvious. And it is like, I think what Catherine, what you said is like a holistic view yes. of food safety, that it's not just food safety on its own, right? It's integrated in every aspect of the farming operation. Um, so of course mm-hmm. it would intersect with labor. Of course it would intersect with well-being and rest and wellness. So thank you so much for uplifting that today. 
Yes, thank you so much. Yes, it's definitely not a linear thing. It's more of a sphere. I, I think so. Thank you so much again for, for joining us today. And it's been such a pleasure to hear more about the work that you're doing and what you're advocating for. I think it's a really beautiful vision. And I, I, I also think that the future is cooperative. So it'll be exciting for us all to work towards that together. Yeah. To find out more about Not Our Farm, check out notourfarm.org for resources and make sure to follow them on social media platforms to stay up to date. Have you been enjoying the podcast? Please help us and take a moment to give us some feedback on a survey linked in the show notes. We are gearing up for season two and hope to make the show as best we can, catered to your needs and entertaining while educational. If you're interested in learning more about NFU and the work we do, check out our website at www.nfu.org. You can also find us at Local Food Safety on social media and let us know what topics and themes you'd like for us to explore. And finally, thank you to our sponsor. This podcast is supported by the Food and Drug Administration of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services as a part of a financial assistance award to u one fd 6921 3 totaling a million dollars with 100% funding by FDA HHS. The contents are those of the authors who do not necessarily represent the official views of nor an endorsement by FDA HHS or the U.S. government. I'm Catherine Cavanaugh, and this has been the Food Safety Dish. Thank you so much for listening to our first season, and we look forward to ramping up the podcast for a back and better than ever season two in 2024. So stay tuned. And in the meantime, remember, good food safety is good farm management.